Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. God is such a good God that um, He meets us where we're at. You know, He's not the God that just overlooks us and gets angry at us and almost is tired of us when we don't get it fast enough. He's a patient God and He's a good God. And the thing I love about Him is that no matter where you're at today, He wants to meet you. And I think sometimes, you know, we can be in a meeting like this and some of us are worshipping and some of us are right in the centre of His will and some of us are just so sold out and, and we just know God is good and there's nothing that can sway your heart and your faith is solid and it's on a sure foundation. But there are some of us that are in the tension between unbelief and faith. We're in that place of doubt and we feel ashamed when we doubt. Have you ever doubted God? Yes, I have. Have you ever doubted in God? Have you ever doubted yourself in God? Have you ever had that moment where you go, I don't even know if I believe this. I'm in the place of doubt. Well, I'm here to encourage you this morning that doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith, but doubt is the in-between. And doubt is the bridge that is just that thing where the enemy can either take you to unbelief, which becomes the sin. And that's where He wants you living because it says that I do not trust you at your word. I'm making a resolute decision that I don't believe you. And then there's faith, which says, even though I don't see it, I believe you. But some of us are living in the in-between of doubt. And I want you to know today that God can handle your doubt. He's not mad at your doubt. He's not annoyed at your doubt. In fact, He wants to meet you right in the place of that in-between. You see, doubt is a feeling of uncertainty and we've all had that in our walk with God. Whether you are even here and you don't know Jesus is your Saviour, you may be doubting, is God real? You see, God can handle that. And the enemy wants us believing that that's a wrong thing, but we've got to sometimes hash out that doubt. And this is where God is so good that He comes in and He says, you may be in two minds about me. You may be in two minds about what I've said about you, but I'm here today to uh, administer to that area of doubt. See, doubt is uncertainty and it's that in-between stage of faith and unbelief. See, faith is that complete trust and confidence. I know that I know that I know. I may not see it, but I know it. There's a resolute knowing that God is who He says He is and nothing can waver that faith. And that's, that's the goal. We always wanna get there. But what do we do when we're in that in-between place? What do we do? Because I know that as a young Christian or a young woman in God, I used to be ashamed of my doubt. I was ashamed that here I am brought up in a Christian home and taught all the things and yet I doubted, God, are you really who you say you are? Is, is this what it's meant to look like? And, but then there's that area of unbelief that says, no, no ma'am, no sir, I do not believe, peace out. And this is where the enemy wants you bound. And I wanna look at three scenarios in the Scriptures that show us that God can handle doubt. He's okay with it. He's good with it. And He ministers into those sweet places. This is the goodness of God. 
And I wanna look at a story in John chapter 20, verse 24, and it says, Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands in his side, I will not believe it. A week later, See, this is what I love. Have you ever been in a place where you're going, I have to see it to believe it. And then people say, no, you need more faith. You need more faith. You see, Jesus doesn't rebuke Thomas in a moment. There's a week of the in-between, between unbelief and faith. And this is what I love about Jesus. Have you ever been talking to your spouse, your parents, your friends, whoever, and during the week you're, you're questioning something about God and then you get to church. And Pastor Ben or Pastor Jensen are speaking and you're like, were they in our living room this week? Like, did they have Alexa recorded or attached to there? Like what on earth? That was exactly what I was grappling with, yet the Word of the Lord came to me. See, this is what I love about Jesus. He wasn't in the room when Thomas said, unless I see it, I'll believe it. Unless I touch his hand and put my finger in his side, I ain't believing that he's alive. And a week later, this is what happens. I love this. A week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then He said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to Him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said to him, because you've seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So this is what I love about Jesus. He knew exactly what Thomas needed to believe. Here he's saying, it's better for those that when they do have faith without having to see, but I love you so much, Thomas, that I'm not gonna rebuke you and I'm not gonna make you feel shame for your doubt, but I'm actually gonna come in exactly what you needed. I'm gonna have you do what it takes so that you can believe that I am the God that I said I am. I said that I would die. I said that I would rise again. Now do you trust me? Touch my hand, put your finger in my side and know that I am He, Jesus, the one who does not lie. But I love that He comes in and He just goes, Thomas, I know where you're at. It's that week of the in-between. I don't know whether you've been in a month of in-between. Maybe you're in a crisis of faith. Maybe you're in a year Five years, I don't know your story, but I know where I've been. And there's been many times where I've doubted God, but I've asked Him for a sign. And in His grace, He comes and meets me where I'm at. And this is why now I'm so resolute in my faith and you cannot sway me because of every time that He has come to me in my weakness and said, hey, Alan, touch my hand, put your finger in my side. And I'm like, oh, of course you're who you say you are. See, disciples are a crazy bunch and sometimes we laugh at them, but we're just like them. This is Jesus just about before He's about to leave and He's about to give the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, 16, it says this, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him. But some doubted. 
what? The 11 disciples who walked with Jesus three and a half years, watched Him die, watched Him come through the door, not even open the door, watched the nail marks in His hands, watched all the miracles, the 40 days that He was alive on this earth, He's about to go to heaven and some worshipped and some still doubted. Oh my gosh, if you don't love Jesus by this stage, I'm telling you, He is a good God. He's not standing there going, I cannot believe it. What the heck have I been doing for the last three and a half years? What's it gonna take for you to believe in me? I'm entrusting you to be the first people of the church and you're still doubting in who I am. He doesn't rebuke them. He goes right over that. He knows all things. He knew what was in the heart of man. He knew what was in the mind of man. And instead of Him challenging them and rebuking them, He just says, hey guys, all authority in heaven has been given to me. So now go and make disciples of nations, baptising them in the Name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them everything that I taught you to obey. And Goodness, I will be with you always. That was my version, goodness. The Bible says, and lo, see, I don't say that. And lo, I will be with you always. He just literally goes, you know what? They're gonna get it. I'm not gonna rebuke them right now. Some of them are probably mind boggled by Him. Some of them are just trying to grapple their finite mind with a supernatural God, but He doesn't rebuke them. He just calls them up. He says, this is who you are. This is what I've been raising you to be. You are my disciples and all the authority that it's in me is going into you. So go do what you're called to do. You see, Jesus is not perturbed by your doubt right now. What He doesn't want you to be in is unbelief. But if I could be here today to take that transition and encourage your faith that maybe you're in doubt, but to cross over to the line of faith, oh, the enemy wants you in unbelief because he knows that you're powerless when you do not believe in who He is. But He's saying, come on, all authority is in you, in you. Go do what I've asked you to do. Just tell them what I taught you and I'll be with you. The God of the miraculous will be with you. See, I think about Gideon and I think about this. I mean, he's so like me. I, I, I should be, I'm like him. And here's Gideon and, you know, there's a battle going on and, 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 and the Israelites are just being attacked and he's like furious about it. And he's like doubting already, like, God, where are you? You were supposed to deliver us and you're supposed to get us out of this mess. And what's going on? Can I propose to you that when you're uh, realising and being aware of a problem that God's actually gonna point you to be the solution to that problem? Do you know so many of us, we get so agitated and we see things and we're like, this isn't right, God. This shouldn't be happening. Well, guess what? That is the agitation that He's put in you because now He's gonna go, oh good, someone's aware of what is going on and what is unjust. Now I'm gonna call you to be the solution to the problem. See, God's not a respecter of persons. He's not waiting for you to go to Bible college and have all the degrees and have all the, the checks and balances. He's just seeing a heart that actually responds to something that is unjust. And he says, okay, there's my girl, there's my guy. So then when he comes to you and he says, hey, you're going to defeat the enemy. You're like, me? No, 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 no. I, I see the problem, but I'm the wrong person. No, 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 no. And you start doubting in yourself. And so you look at yourself and you look at all your, because you live with you, you know what you is like. 
And you're like, God, God, you got the wrong person. No, 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 I can't do that. Plus, you know, here I am threshing wheat in a wine press. I'm not really a warrior. I'm like the least of these of my clan. Like I'm the kind of the worst one out of the family. If you wanna pick someone, go pick somebody else. I'm not it. And isn't it amazing that if I were to say, you, ma'am, I've got a word for you. Most people are like, who, me, me? No. And they look to the left and the right. Could it possibly be me? Could God wanna say something to me? And we doubt in who we are. And so God comes to Gideon and He says, you, you're the one I've chosen and you go in strength and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. I remember actually when God called me, I had just come out of kind of a double life as you do when you grow up in a Christian home and you kind of toy with the world and then come back to your senses. And I got radically saved again at 21 and I just sold out my life. I drew that line in the sand and I was like, you know what, no more living that life. I'm gonna live this life. And my youth pastor had actually called me to pastor with them in the youth ministry. And I remember seeing all the other girls that had never done anything wrong and done everything right and were sold out and worked for the Lord. And there was a resenting that I was chosen to be put on staff. But what it did for me is it put so much doubt in my heart that I went, I'm the wrong girl for the job. I'm, I'm not the one, like why pick her? She's more godly, she, she does devotions every morning. I think I read my Bible once a week. Pick her, pick him, pick them. But God goes, no, I've called you, Alex. I've put my hand on you. And I had to believe in the God in me because there was doubt in me, but I would ask for many, many signs. I would ask for so many signs, just like Gideon. And Gideon's like, you know what? Okay, well, now that you've called me, uh, can I have a few signs? Can I have a fleece? Can we do this? And God's like, mm-hmm, if that's what you need, well, let's do that. And then he gets the fleece and he's like, yep, that's awesome. Then he's like, actually, can I have round two? Because, you know, I wasn't really sure about round one. So how about we just go again? Let's do two. Then I'll really know that I'm called. And so if you could just do that, that would be great. And God is so gracious. He's not hitting Gideon on the head. He's not saying, honestly, I think I've picked the wrong person. I'm going to the next person. He's gracious. And he's like, you know what? I will give you the second sign. It gets to the second sign and Gideon's like, "Uh, please don't be angry with me. Can I have a third? I love this about God. See, sometimes I think we think God is this rigid old man that is just waiting to punish and waiting to hit us over the head. But He wants to meet us right where we're at and remind us, hey, you need me to do that? Well, that's okay. I'll do it. And so he does it the third time. And this is what I really believe that he allowed Gideon to have those three signs. Because then once Gideon had resolved, okay, now I've got to lead this army. God says to him, actually, you've got too many 
men in your army. And if you go in with 32,000, then the men of Israel will take the credit, but I need to get the glory. So we need to decrease that. So it went down from 32,000 to 300. But I truly believe that those three signs enabled Gideon to have enough faith to go, well, you did it there, you did it there, you did it there. So three or 300 with God on my side, I'm a majority with Him and I'm gonna trust you at your word. And this is the great thing, is that He defeated the enemy and God got the glory. When we were told to go to America, it was huge. And I was like, well, we need a fleece. Our pastors actually said, well, if this is God, we're gonna throw out a fleece. You need to go and get a green card lottery. Now, this is like getting a lotto ticket. For those of you that do lottos, I don't do that. But anyway, one out of 14 million people We're just one, me and Henry, only one person could win. One, there were 14.2 million people that had applied. And I'm like, that is like, the odds are not very in our favour. And that was the fleece for us to go to America. Well, we didn't get the green card when it came round. Like when our little number came up, we put our, punched our numbers in. And it was like, sorry, you have been unsuccessful in getting the green card. And I was like, dang, I really thought God spoke to me. God, I really heard your voice. I thought you said America and this was the fleece. What happened? But I didn't um, give up on God. I just said, God, you'll make a way. You'll make a way. We'll get to America somehow. Well, two weeks later, Henry was in Uh, Germany on tour and he gets this email from the US State Department saying unfortunately there was an error in the draw of the green card lottery. Now we have to scrape all of the uh, results and in July we will redraw. And I was like okay God. Well in between May and July I'm not joking I probably had a hundred signs. I was even picking up toothpaste that said made in the USA. I was taking anything. I was taking anything. I was like yes it's the Lord. People would give me prophetic words and then I would see something and then there'd be an American flag somewhere. I'm like, I live in Australia, why? The news would talk about something about the White House. Yes, America, God bless America. I'd be like, America, 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 America. Because those signs needed to affirm to me that when we got here, and when He said, okay, Alex and Henry, start a church, I'm like, what? No, 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 I think you got the wrong girl. But you see, God had to show me sign after sign after sign after sign so that I could believe the God in Alex and Henry, not in our ability. And now I thank God for the other side of obedience because with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing. I don't care who you are. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what your background is. If God has called you, He will appoint you. That's who He is. But the enemy wants you in unbelief so you stay flat. You do nothing. But I'm here to tell you that He can deal with your doubt today. He can deal with your doubt. And the last one is when John the Baptist doubted if Jesus was the one. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you've walked the walk with God and you have done everything that He's asked you to do. You have sold your life out to Him and you have drawn that line in the sand and you have sown and you have given and you have served. 
and it's been costly. You have, your family has neglected you because you have followed the cause of Christ. Your, your friendships have broken because you've chosen the narrow road and not the wide road. And you're walking this road of faith and you get to a place and you become a prisoner of your circumstance something so out of your control. You're like, what on earth is going on? I didn't sign up for this. John the Baptist was known, called by God from the womb. He had a prophetic unction in the womb, knowing that he'd already met with Jesus in Mary's womb. This man was set apart by God from the womb, even before that. When he grew up, his whole mandate and mission to was prepare the way of the Lord. He was the weird one out in the desert. He was the one that droves would go to him because he was a sign and a wonder, because he would eat locusts and honey, but when He spoke, people would get saved. People would come. He would just have to say the words, repent for the Kingdom of God is near. This guy was on fire. This guy knew God. This guy knew His calling, but then he finds himself in prison, persecuted for the cause of Christ. He didn't sign up for getting his head chopped off. He didn't sign up for being persecuted. He didn't sign up for Herod coming against him. He didn't sign up for people. You know, when he stood for truth, now everybody is against him. And here he finds himself in prison and he finds himself disappointed. And this is where doubt wants to creep in when you're disappointed, when you're disillusioned because you've done the right thing and it feels like you're a prisoner of circumstance. You may not be in physical prison today, but you may be in a prison in your mind. You may be in a prison of circumstance where other people have bound you, they've betrayed you, they've let you down. Oh my goodness, welcome to the world of church. This is what happens and you have to make a decision. Do I trust God at His Word or am I doubting that He is who He said He is? And I can imagine John in that prison sending his disciples here in Matthew 11 too. He says, when John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples and asked him, are you the one who was to come? I mean, what? Or should we expect someone else? Is this really the Jesus that in Isaiah 61, it was prophesied that he would heal the brokenhearted, that he would set the captives free, that he would release the prisoners? well, I'm a prisoner and you're not releasing me. Jesus, I've sold my life out for you and I'm about to get my head cut up. Jesus, I did everything. Are you really who you say you are? And when we get to that place, Jesus doesn't punish John. Jesus doesn't get into an argument and go, oh my gosh, how can John even say such a thing? He turns and he says, Jesus replied, go back, report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. He just relays Isaiah 61 in a different way. He says, it's actually happening, John, but blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Another version says, blessed is the man who doesn't get offended on account of me. And there's been times where I've been offended at God. And so I've doubted in His nature. I've been offended that the way things work 
out were not how I had envisaged, envisaged them to work out. I've seen one way and gone, that's not just and that's not fair. I've given everything and this is happening. And then Jesus says, oh, Alex, you're looking at a temporal vision. You're looking at right now. Well, you may be a prisoner of circumstance, but I want you to look at eternity. I want you to see that every cost that you have had to pay and every step that you've had to make and every betrayal and every hurt and every disappointment has brought me glory. You need to understand when you walk the cause of Christ that I will never let it be forgotten, that I hold every tear in a bottle. I don't let one of them drop to the ground. You need to trust that I am good. And guess what? I'm about to go through the same sort of suffering. So there's nothing I'm gonna ask you to do that I won't do myself. I need you to know that I am Jesus Christ who walked the earth and is forgiving the sins of the world. I need you to do, your assignment is done. Well done, John, you are the greatest. You are amazing. You, he didn't engage in making him feel bad. He said, but please don't get offended on my account. Know that what you have done is exactly what I need you to do. I think we just don't trust His nature. I think we just don't know how good He is. But He's good, church. And He knows where you're at. And He sees the cry of your heart. And I believe that if you cry out to Him and say, God, I'm really struggling here. He's gonna hear you and say, you know what? Sweet son, sweet daughter, I'm gonna meet you where you're at. I'm gonna remind you who you are. Right now, you may be thinking, I don't even believe in Jesus. Don't let it go to unbelief. It's okay to doubt. Let Him reveal Himself to you. If you're doubting in yourself, if He called you to do something and you're like, I can't believe in the God in who you are. And if you're in that place of disappointment because things don't look the way you thought, trust that nothing is wasted. Nothing. Nothing in Christ. It all comes around full circle. It all comes around and blessed are those that walk in the path of righteousness. Blessed are those that stay steadfast and fix their eyes on the prize. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.